0: Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. We hope you enjoy the message.
1: Today's reading is from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy.
0: The second reading for today is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands... Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anchor, they shall never enter my rest, and yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works, and again in the passage above he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day calling it today. Then he did, when a long time came later, he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience.
2: Today you've joined us in the final week of a five-part series we've been doing at Follow called Work, Rest and Play. Last week and this week we're exploring the area of rest. And to be honest, in churches it's not a topic we talk about very often. In fact, in our Christmas series last year I talked about it and a mature Christian came up to me after the service and he said over all the years he's been going to church, it's the first time he'd ever heard a sermon on rest. I think the most common time we mention rest is when we speak about someone resting in peace. The implication being that we can only have peace when we're resting and we'll only ever truly rest when we die. And so until then, it's work, 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 retire, die. Like the great philosopher Bon Jovi once said, I'll live while I'm alive and I'll sleep when I'm dead. I don't know how that makes you feel, but for me, a life without rest is not something that sounds very enjoyable. But upon reflection of my own life, it's something I've experienced way too much. And I really want that to change. Last week, I spoke about God resting in the creation account and how he created us in a rhythm of work and rest. In fact, the very first day of Adam and Eve's life was a full day of rest. And from that rested, refreshed state, they stepped out into their work to care for the garden, to tend for it, and to represent God's character in the space that God had planted them. Unfortunately, that experience didn't last very long. God created us to enjoy rest with him from the beginning, but that reality was distorted when Adam and Eve sinned and it caused them to be expelled from the garden, where work then became difficult and disconnected from its original intention to be joyful and full of purpose. And so outside of the garden, they toiled alone in their work rather than enjoying God's presence in what they were doing. And that's how it continued until God once again intervened. By God's grace, he called a man called Abram, and he said to Abram all these great things. He made these phenomenal promises. He said he's going to make him a great nation. He's going to make his name great. He says, you're going to have as many descendants as the stars in the sky and the, the, the sand on the seashore. And that the people of God would once again have a mission to be a blessing to all people on earth. Once again, work would be connected to God and to a sense of purpose. And they would have a mission to be a blessing to everyone else. It's an amazing mission that they were given to bring God glory in all that they did. And so God blessed this new covenant people. And by the start of the the book of Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible, Abram's descendants had become large and prosperous as a people, so much so that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt where they were living, was panicked about this. He was worried about how powerful they had become. And so in order to curb their influence, he put slave masters over the people of God and turned this large and growing group of people from a threat into an incredible workforce. They were made subject to Egypt as slaves and work for them became very difficult. All day, every day, they were making bricks and it was literally backbreaking work. It was a terrible way to live. Day in, day out, they cried out to God in the midst of all this misery. And in Exodus 3, 7, It says this, that the Lord heard them. He said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And so he sends a man called Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let the people go. God's people weren't designed to constantly work. They were designed to be free. And so God instructs Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go so that they can live in that freedom and once again worship their God. Now you can imagine how terrifying this must have been for Moses. He's probably thinking to himself, I'm a nobody and you want me to go to the most powerful ruler on earth who sees himself as a God and tell him to let his entire workforce go so that they can worship a competing God he doesn't even believe in. This was a huge ask. But eventually Moses, with some help from his brother Aaron, stands before this powerful ruler Pharaoh with this audacious request. Now it should come as no surprise to us that Pharaoh refused to let them go because the workforce was all about the production of store cities to stockpile grain and as a sign of his power to the rest of the world. He wasn't just going to let his workforce leave and he was furious that Moses would even have the nerve to ask. In fact, Moses' request angered him so much that he decided he was going to make their miserable lives in Egypt even more miserable than they already were. And they were going to work harder than ever before. And so he says to the slave drivers, I want you to make them produce just as many bricks. The daily quota is going to stay the same. But now they're going to get their own straw to do it. We're not going to provide any more straw for their production. And so the same production, same amount of time with less resource. Clearly, God's people were no longer enjoying rest, but instead, they were literally being worked to death. They were no longer living as God's covenant people, but they were now firmly under Pharaoh's rule. And Pharaoh has set himself up as their God. And he was a God who forced them to work without ceasing and without rest. Now, we know that our God is a God who delivers his people in times of trouble. And I think perhaps for us more than any time before, it's really important to remember that in the midst of a pandemic, just as he heard the cries of Israel and Egypt, he hears our prayers as well in this time. And so I want to encourage you as your pastor to keep praying, to keep trusting, to keep staying confident in God, knowing that as we cry out to him, as we press in in prayer and relationship with him, that he hears our prayers and he answers those prayers according to his will. God heard the, pri- the, the cries of his people in Egypt and we know that he's the king of kings. And so he answered their prayer in a powerful way, even against a, a, a superpower like Pharaoh who seems so powerful. God showed that he was, in fact, the most powerful God of all. And so God sent plagues on Egypt and there was plague after plague designed to force Pharaoh to let the people go. And so the first plague was a plague of blood where the Nile River literally turned to blood and all the fish died. And then there was a plague of frogs where there were so many frogs on the land that when they died, they had to pile them all up and the whole land stunk. Then there was a plague of gnats where there were these flying insects that were a little bit like fleas that would bite you and make you itchy and literally drive you insane. That was followed by a plague of flies. And we can probably all relate to that here in Australia when we have our barbecues. You're know, you trying to have a barbecue with family and friends and they're buzzing all over you and you're swatting them off your face and you're trying to keep them off your food and it's kind of unbearable. Well, times that by about a thousand, that's what it would have been like in this plague of flies. And following that, there was a plague of livestock where all the animals of the Egyptians died. Their horses, their donkeys, their camels, their cattle, their sheep and their goats all just died overnight. That was followed by a plague of boils horrible sores that broke out on all the Egyptian people. The kind of sores that weep and make you itch and horrible experience to have. Then there was a plague of hail which pounded the land and caused mass destruction. And that was followed by a plague of locusts which then ate all the vegetation which remained after the hail damage. Then there was a plague of darkness that fell over the land. And after all these plagues, Pharaoh still would not let God's people go. It says that he hardened his heart and he refused to let them go until the last plague. The last plague was the plague of the firstborn, where every firstborn son in Egypt, including the son of Pharaoh, died. Can you imagine the heartbreak in the land? Just a few minutes ago, I had my son here doing the welcome, little Lenny, and he's my firstborn son. I've got three beautiful daughters, but Lenny's my firstborn son. And imagine if the firstborn son of everyone in Australia died overnight. It would be an absolute tragedy. And in Exodus 12.30, it talks about what it was like for the Egyptians. It says, There was a loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a single house without someone dead. Well, at this point, Pharaoh had finally had enough. And he calls Moses and Aaron in and he says, Right up, I want you to leave my people, you and all the Israelites, go and worship the Lord as you have requested. And so they plundered Egypt, they took off all their goods and they headed off to worship God in the desert. But unfortunately, they didn't get very far when Pharaoh once again changed his mind. He once again hardened his heart and he probably realized all of a sudden that he just lost this incredible workforce. So he and the army of Egypt pursued the Israelites in order to capture them and bring them back to Egypt. You know, many of us would know the story of the Exodus The Exodus story is a central story of the Old Testament and it's a really powerful demonstration of God's power. As this vast Egyptian army closes in on the Israelites, you can only imagine what they were going through. They finally thought they were free. And then as they look in the rearview mirror, they see this powerful army coming towards them. And as they look ahead of them, all they can see is a Red Sea before them. And they're thinking to themselves, we're doomed. We thought we were free, but it was a false dawn. And these Egyptians are going to wipe us out. But we know that God is a powerful God. And God commands Moses, his leader, to raise his staff. And as he does that, God miraculously parts the Red Sea so that his people can cross on dry land. As the Egyptian army pursue them, they also get to the sea and they start to cross. And as they get halfway across with the other people safely on the other side, God's people, the sea comes back in and it wipes out the whole army, including Pharaoh himself. This is an incredible moment for God's people. Against impossible odds versus a cruel ruler who set himself up as a God. The one true God delivered his people. I want you to imagine for a moment what this would have been like. The feeling of relief, the experience of freedom and rest, and the confidence they must have had in God after all that he had done. This was a profound moment. They were free from their backbreaking work in the desert. They were there now where they could connect in relationship with God once again. And in this newfound freedom, they make their way towards the land that God had promised them. But on the way, God provides for them all the food and water they need. But it doesn't take long for them to start to grumble. They don't like the menu he's providing. They even say that we were better off when we were back in Egypt. At least we got meat there. It's incredible, isn't it? They're free from a dictator. They're released from backbreaking work of slavery. And yet all they want is to go back. Slavery is all they had ever known. And just like us, we often gravitate to what we know rather than taking hold of what life could be. I want to say today that there's something better for us as the people of God and we need to be people who grab hold of it. Freedom that only God can provide, that is greater than anything this world could ever offer. Well, luckily for the Israelites, God is a gracious God and he tolerated their grumbling and he brought them safely to a place called Mount Sinai where Moses went up the mountain and God gave him the Ten Commandments. I want you to take note of the first words God spoke in that encounter. He said this to Moses. He said, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then he gives him the Ten Commandments. Now, the first three commandments are all about connection between God and people, have no gods before me, don't make false idols, don't use the Lord's name in vain. The last six commandments are all about connection with one another. Things like honor your parents and don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. But the fourth commandment is the one that's different than the rest. And it really is the bridge between the first three commandments and the last six. It's the commandment that gets the most prominence. More words and emphasis are given to this command than any other, t- any other. Let me read it to you today. Exodus 20 verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, nor your animals or any other foreigner residing in your town. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day therefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and he made it holy i wonder why did this command get more airtime more words dedicated dedicated to it than any other well i think it's because the sabbath time was time deliberately set aside for god and relationship with god needs to be the most pressing pursuit of our lives If we don't prioritise time for relationship with God, then our faith will never grow deeper and we'll never enjoy the richness of relationship that God desires for us to enjoy. And if our faith in God doesn't grow and go deeper, we won't have the capacity to care for others. Before God gives any command about caring for others, He gives the command for Sabbath. And we often think of the Ten Commandments as laws. We may even see them as like a bunch of rules and regulations. But if we see them that way, I think we miss out and we lose sight of how incredibly freeing they would have been for God's people at that time. To come out of slavery where all of your possessions were were stolen from you and to have a command, thou shall not steal. You mean nobody can just take my stuff anymore? You mean it's mine? That's incredible. Or in slavery where women would have been taken advantage of and, and even abused. For a husband to hear the command, you cannot commit adultery, man, that would have been such a joy. Where your friends and family were previously killed under a brutal regime, to now see in this community that murder was completely unacceptable would have made the people feel safe and protected. But the feeling of relief that would have come from commandment number four would have affected their daily lives more profoundly than any other. To no longer have a harsh ruler who literally works you to death, but to have a God who not only allows you to rest but commands it Was stunning and life changing for the people of God. Of all the laws God gave, of all the important things He wanted to put in place for His people, the one command He dedicated the most energy to was rest. When you think of the Ten Commandments, I want to encourage you don't think legalism, think liberation. God wants us to be people who are set free and to be people who deliberately and regularly set time aside to be refreshed in His presence, to prioritize time with Him. And with one another. And so the question I have for us is, why are most of us constantly exhausted? Why is busy the default answer to the question, how are you? Why is dedicated time with God so often the one thing that's squeezed out of our busy lives? Well, I think the answer might surprise us. I think the answer is this. I think we've become the Pharaoh of our own lives. Pharaoh was a work-obsessed dictator who wouldn't allow rest and we've become like that for ourselves. We're the ones working more days with with more hours. We're the ones that demand more productivity with less time and less resource. We're the ones that take our work home and answer emails at all times of day and night. We're the ones who watch Netflix to all hours of the night rather than getting a good night's sleep. We're the ones that choose not to have a day off. We're the ones endlessly striving for more and more. We're the slave drivers, insisting on the need to achieve. We don't need a dictator to force us into slave labor because if we're honest, we're the ones working ourselves to death. The good news is we don't have to live that way. God has provided a way for us to rest in him and the freedom he offers through his son Jesus is truly life-changing.
3: I follow just as part of our work, rest and play uh, series, We thought we'd have a little chat together with Leanne and myself and talk about how we uh, rest, how we uh, put in play and recreation into our day. So Leanne, tell me what kind of recreation activities you do.
0: There's quite a few things that I like to do. Some of the things I love to do is go swimming. So whether it's going to the beach or doing an aqua class, I'm doing that at the moment with a few other people from church. It's on hold, of course, at the moment um, with the virus. But it's a really great way to enjoy some recreation. Um, I love spending time with friends and family. They're really important to me. And I love just hanging out with people and getting to know them more um, and spending time with them. Animals are a huge part of my life, so whether it's my own individual animals at home or whether I'm at a sanctuary just spending time with animals, I love to do that. Um, Going to the movies, um, listening to music, going to comic conventions such as Supernova (laughs) or Comic Con, (laughs) um, all the geeks out there probably appreciate that. Um, And I'm currently learning guitar and I'm very fortunate that I have a really patient teacher.
3: That's really great. I love uh, doing things like jigsaw puzzles, Mm -hmm. one of my favourite things to do. I love reading too. I just build in reading every day. Um, Just find it so relaxing to just go into another world. Mm -hmm. I love the movie things too and um, playing games like Pokemon Go where I get to walk as well and um, spend time with my son doing that. So, yeah, they're all good things that I love to do. And I used to play a lot of sports Back in the day, <laughs> yeah. um, which I really enjoyed too. So I love watching sport as well. It's one of my favourite things. So. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, that's good. So what kind of things of those activities, what, what, what about them brings you refreshment?
0: My refreshment comes more from activities that show God's creativity um, and most of the activities I spoke about actually do show that. Yeah. So um, whether it's the beach, the powerful, magnificent ocean that God can calm, um, the lyrics and music um, and with movies, the props or the acting, just the creativity yeah. within that, the writing, the um, God's creativity through animals and humans and yeah anything that focuses on God brings me more refreshment. Yeah. How about you?
3: Yeah I'd, I'm a thinker I think all the time so I've always got a million scenarios going in my head so mm-hmm. the things that give me the refreshment the most are the things that take my mind off stuff so doing a jigsaw where I've Got something really difficult to do and focus on. Where's that piece? Where's this piece? Where does it go? That just um, stops my mind thinking, and that's why I love books because I just love going into another world and it just takes me away for a brief time. And when I've finished a few chapters, I feel really refreshed afterwards. It's you know just one of those great things um, that I've learned over time to just still my mind and yeah. to focus on other things. So yeah, that's sort of what I do. So that's great. Great, Tell me what your perfect rest day looks like.
0: My perfect rest day would be to get out of the house um, and to be in a cabin that oversees the beach um, where you can watch the beautiful waves, um, read God's word, listen to wor- worship music. Yeah. Um, and if I could have my cats there, I would. <laughs> Probably impossible. But yeah, it would that would be my perfect day with um, some close family members. Yeah. How about you?
3: My perfect day would be at home, with uh, a stormy, rainy day outside, by myself, rug over my knees, with a good book and a cup of coffee in hand, and just that's I could do that every day. That's a perfect day to me. (laughs) That sounds wonderful. Yeah. So, how can you encourage? um, What would you say to encourage other people to put in rest in their lives?
0: I'd say you really need to schedule it in. Um, I'm a bit of a workaholic at times, so it's easy to put things off um, and even put family and friends off. Um, So I think you really need to schedule times in, whether it's weekends away, whether it's once a week, you know that you're going to do that guitar lesson. or (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just to make sure that you are taking that time out for play. I think God's a beautifully creative God and we're supposed to enjoy the creativity he's given us and the recreation available. So I would say don't put it aside make sure that you do it what would you say
3: yeah I learnt a long time ago to actually schedule it in in my life we're big on schedules at our household and so every day I put um, something I love in so I got told a long time ago find find time for something that you love every day even if it's for five minutes or half an hour and then You know, it just sets you up because it's so important to rest, isn't it? To find those things that you love and enjoy and it's part of taking care of yourself. So, yeah, I I book it in. Like, I, I make sure I do it. If I haven't get to the end of the day and I haven't done anything, I read. Like, I just always make time to do something, so... Thanks Leanne for sharing everything about what you do in recreation and I just hope you find that helpful Follow Family and feel free to put on the chat what you do for recreation, what you do for play and give us some ideas that we can all share together.
2: Awesome. Well, today we've got our Associate Pastor Adam Mahale with us, and we're going to talk through Hebrews chapter 4. Welcome, Adam.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here and great to be part of the, uh, the live church
2: experience. Yeah, well, you're pretty new to the church, so it's great to have you yeah. on board and straight into the, into the fire, really.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. I'm excited to, to have this chat and to yeah, talk about what rest really looks like. So, yeah, excited to do it.
2: Yeah, awesome. So you watched the first part of the message, mm. and you know, what about you? Have you ever been the pharaoh of your own life? <laughs>
1: Look, I'd love to say no, <laughs> and when you actually asked me to be part of this chat, I was like, "Man, like, I think you got the wrong person." Because <laughs> rest is something that I I struggle with. Like, it's it's it, to be perfectly honest, I'd love to say that I, I rest really well and I rejuvenate well and you know ready to get back into into the ministry week, but um, it's just not the case all the time. Um, you know, sometimes my rhythms aren't so great. Like, you know, I'm I'm pretty good at resting my body. Um, being able to sit down and, and, and relax and, and watch a movie and things like that. But um, resting my mind is, is, is just a different ball ballgame. Um, it's easy to rest my body, but uh, to turn my brain off and to stop thinking about all the things that have to happen in the following week. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I would probably say I fall into the category of being my own, my own pharaoh and, and being a bit of a, a taskmaster.
2: Yeah. Mm, so I think both of us are number three on the Enneagram. So we are. we're the achievers. We are. And so there's a natural default position to want to achieve things and to work mm. hard and to, Absolutely. to do all that. So it's it can be a bit hard sometimes mm. switching off and, and being disciplined in rest. And so what have you learned about your own propensity to overwork yeah. and why do you think that might be?
1: Yeah, like I think I'm, I'm an achiever, as you said. And uh, it's, it's really e- easy to it down to society and go you know what society wants us to achieve society wants us to 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 be better and to to show results and in ministry it's easy to do that in ministry you have you know how many people you can get in a room and how good your sermons are and Mm. and how good your online content can be (laughs) um so there's all there's that aspect but also i think uh I want that for myself you know i want to be able to achieve i want i want my life to mean something i want a a good legacy you know no one wakes up in the morning and goes you know i just want to sail through under the radar i don't want my life to really amount to anything that's that's no one's story so um you know with part of society saying to achieve and then also my own internal want to have my life mean something um i work and and i try to get results and i try to do things so yeah, it's it's easy to fall into that space and, and when you do, um, rest takes a back seat and that's, that's not a good thing.
2: Yeah, so that's really the point of this series, work, rest and play. Mm. Uh, I think it's it's an admirable thing and commendable to work hard and I think God's designed us to find purpose and joy and meaning in our work mm. as long as it's balanced with rest um, and the recreation part's really important as well because I think yeah. work can so easily become an idol and yeah. kind of pushes God off the throne and Absolutely. all of our identity and stuff's then coming from work which is obviously... A bad endeavor because mm. there's no guarantee with work. I mean, look right now, so many people are losing their job and perhaps careers, and yeah. um, and so if their identity is caught up in their work, then all of a sudden you're thinking, well, who on earth am I? That's so, right. So um, finding that identity in God is so important, and mm. um, balancing work with the rest in place.
1: Absolutely, Good and I think um, and I think it's really important to to note that uh, we we work for God. You know, we do it everything we do, and not not just in ministry, but any any position that we hold, we do it for the sake of the kingdom mm. and um and when we focus so much on the work not so much the person who gave us the work it's it's a real it's a real shame you know it's it's easy to fall into that place where we we do the work of the lord uh, but we neglect the Lord of the work and yeah. that's that's a real shame
2: mm. yeah mm. we're co-workers with god so yeah. we're actually doing it with him and that's where the joy comes you know we're not just doing this alone yeah. out there on our own but we're doing it with god and we're whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I Absolutely. think you've just got to remember that in our work. Mm. And um, you know, part of bringing glory to God is actually being disciplined with rest as well yeah. because it's that time where you actually spend time in God's presence and um, put your work down so that you can focus on Him. And Absolutely. That's a wonderful thing. So we've just had um, Hebrews chapter 4 read, um, a yeah. well-known passage on um, rest and Sabbath rest. So it's a stunning passage in where the Hebrews... Um, you know, it's, it's all about what rest is. And so I think it can help us to understand um, resting in God's presence a bit better and the rest that God mm. provides. So the writer of Hebrews takes us back to the Exodus account, which we were talking about a minute ago, and it reminds us of what happened to God's people after that. So they were heading towards the land that God had promised them. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land where they're free from their enemies. It's a land where there's rest. Yeah, And that's a wonderful thing. They must have been so looking forward to that. The tragedy is that it says that some of them just never made it. And there's a couple of reasons why they didn't make it. Um, We see it, first of all, in verse 2, it says they didn't make it because of a lack of faith. Mm. And then in verse 6, it says it's because of their disobedience. Mm. And so God says because of those things, some of them would never enter the rest that he provided. And so disobedience and a lack of faith were kind of like this barrier between the people and the rest that God had promised them. Mm. And so in verse 1, it tells us that um, the good news is that there's still a promise for rest for each of us. And verse 1 says, let us be careful that none of you are found to fall short of it. So what do you think he's talking about when he talks about that rest?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's there's potentially two types of rest in this scripture. Um, you know, we see in verse 10, uh, it says, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested uh, from their labors just as God did after creating the world and i think that's talking about an eternal rest uh, that day comes where we breathe our last and the mist clears and and we enter into God's kingdom uh, as it should be and and it's beautiful and you know the scripture tells us he'll he'll wipe every tear from our eye and there'll be no more pain no more suffering um, and that that's that's the rest eternal. I think that's that's a beautiful thing and something we should all look forward to to be able to enter into the kingdom of God and to be with Him uh, for eternity. And that's that's a beautiful rest that I'm looking forward to.
2: What's well, our future? Is it? It's that our is hope. That's you know, all of like our
1: future. And, and in
2: the midst of what we're going through right now, like as difficult yeah, as that is, yeah, for us as people in Christ, that's that's the guaranteed future we have, which absolutely. is just absolutely awesome. And nothing can change that. No, you know? that's locked in. The pandemic it? doesn't snatch that away from us. Absolutely,
1: so that's an awesome thing. Yep. Absolutely. And, and and I think the other rest is the rest that we can have now because I think um, too often in Christendom we've, 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 we've communicated that Jesus died on the cross for, for just our future. You know, he died for, um, he saved us from an eternity separated from him. Mm. But I think we need to focus on the fact that he also saved us for something and that's something yep. right now. Yep. Um, and in verse 7 it says, So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time's today. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can experience God's rest today. Yeah. Um, so whether we're, we're depressed or we're worried about addiction or, or COVID-19 or the circumstances around us yep. is we can experience God's rest right now. Yep. Um, and I believe that's peace and freedom. Um, it's the freedom that, uh, that comes from knowing God, knowing that our future is set, but also who he is Um, And we can have a peace that, as Philippians 4, 7 says, surpasses all understanding. A peace when there shouldn't be peace. A calm when there shouldn't be calm. Uh, Knowing that, you know, what, there's a pandemic going around, but our God is bigger, our our God is greater. And no matter what happens, is that we can rely on him and we can rest in his his caring arms. And I think that's a peace that um, can't come from anywhere else apart from
2: the Mm. throne of God. Yep. I think you're right. It's not just a a peace for the future, although I think that's the Mm. primary focus of the Mm. passage, but there is also a present... Um, rest that we can experience. And I think when we participate in Sabbath rest, regular rest with God, um, we really get a glimpse of our future reality. So when we stop and pause and rest from our work um, and spend time in God's presence, it's this beautiful little experience, a mini version of what we'll have eternally with him. And so it's that time just to stop all the other noise and distraction and just unplug and be in God's presence. And we get to experience now yeah. a little glimpse, not not anywhere near as great as it's going to be then because yeah. there'll be no more pain and suffering and pandemics and all that, but yeah. we get a small little taste mm. of this beautiful freedom that mm. we have resting with God. And I think mm. um, Sabbath is a, is a discipline of disengagement with distraction mm. in order to engage in relationship with the God who created us yeah. and gave us rest to enjoy. So I love what verse 9 says. It says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. And so mm. it's talking of eternal rest, but we get a glimpse of that reality when we enjoy rest with God now. Absolutely. And so he invites us to that. Mm. He says, come and enjoy rest with me. Hey, put your tools down. Put yeah. Just switch off from that stuff and come and spend time with me. And it's an invitation. Mm. It's a relationship. And he wants us to enjoy that. So... Mm. It's wonderful. I think one of the sad things is that when we talk about Sabbath and rest, um, I heard a pastor say once that the most angry emails he gets is when he talks about Sabbath, and that is because a lot of people become very legalistic about it. Yeah, and you know it's all about certain time and certain amounts of things you do, and um, you can only do certain things, and and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Have you ever come across that kind of thing before?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think as, as an achiever, as I said, like I put that on myself, but also we're always expected to do more and to and to be more and, and everyone expects not not just in a pastoral role but in all of our lives in you know whatever we do is we're always expected to, to be more and um, when you can't do that or when you know you shouldn't do that for the sake of, of giving 100% to a few mm-hmm. rather than 50% to many um, – yeah, that comes with criticism sometimes. And, and that's where we need to rest in who we are as um, as sons and daughters of the King and know who we're called to be because we can't be everything to everyone, but we can shine a light to, to God who can be everything to everyone.
2: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at the Gospels, you see the Pharisees and mm. um, very legalistic about a lot of things, but particularly around the Sabbath. And I remember that time where Jesus heals on the Sabbath and then it yeah. says immediately after that, So they went and plotted on how they were going to kill him. So they were so angry that he was doing something on the Sabbath, which happened to be healing a person and changing Mm. their life, that then they wanted to kill him as a result of it. And that's what happens, I think. I love what Jesus says in response to that. He said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, you're taking this beautiful gift Mm. that we've provided, that God's provided, and you're sucking all the life and joy out of it. Yeah. overlaying a whole bunch of rules and regulations yeah. so it doesn't actually do what it's meant to do and that's provide rest. That's right. You're so worried about all the details and all the nitpicking mm. and all the little regulations yeah. that it's actually exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. And so don't do that. Don't, um, don't wreck it. Actually enjoy it. Mm. Let it bring new life. Sabbath is not legalism. It's liberation right. um, from the normal stuff of everyday life. And mm. so I think that's really powerful. Mm. So how does living at the gospel change our approach to work and rest?
1: Yeah, I think, well, the gospel is Romans 5a, you know, God demonstrates his love to in this whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I think that there's there's such a truth there for us to be able to go, you know, I can rest in the fact that knowing one, my future is secure, um, but two, this is the God who created the universe. You, You know, we talk about God and we go, oh God, yeah, yeah, I know God, yeah, we talk about God all the time, but... You know, the, the Bible says, you know, he, he, he said, let there be light and there was light. Mm-hmm. He breathed out the stars. He holds the ocean in his hands. Like this is, this is a huge, magnificent, marvelous, um, inconceivable God um, who cares about us mm-hmm. and, and wants to be very close to us. And when we're in that space and we understand, man, look, this is the God of the gospel, is this is the God that wants me, that saved me, that knows my name. Mm -hmm. Um, How can we not rest? How can we not amidst all of the the worries of the world rest? Because when we're talking about rest, it's not just about, okay, rest means that my problems are going to be solved and therefore I can now relax. Well, if you're waiting for that moment, keep waiting. It's not going to come because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's rest amidst all of that stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, a couple of years ago as a youth pastor, we had a, a messy games night. And um and, and I remember one part in particular a girl got absolutely slammed with spaghetti like and I'm talking messy games food and not just flour and water and stuff like food and everything and she got slammed right in the face with spaghetti and it, like you could hear it from ages away it slapped her right in the face really bad um and everyone was laughing and having a good time because this happened but what most people didn't see at the time is that she actually caused her to start having a panic attack mm. um. And everyone around her is trying to solve the issue for her. So they're trying to take the spaghetti away. They're trying to clear out the people. Uh, they're trying to make sure the spaghetti's off her face. And and you know, the, the issue was is is by that stage it was too late. Like, you know, the outer circumstances and the things that people were trying to fix weren't solving the fact that she was having a panic attack. Mm. Uh, so I stepped in and I held her by the hands and I leaned in and I said, How you're feeling right now is not how you're gonna feel forever. Mm. I'm here, I'm in control and you're in control. Just lean into me. Mm. And she did that. She started breathing and and relaxing, and she came out of it. And I really think that's what it's like with God. Like I think that, you know, sometimes in life we get the spaghetti to the face Mm. and we start having a panic attack and we start worrying about what everything that's going on around us and what God's doing in that space. And this is the God that created the universe. The Mm. stars came out of his breath, you know. He leans in, he holds our hands, and he says, how are you feeling right now? That's not how you're going to feel forever. Mm. I'm here. I'm with you. Lean into me. Yep. How can we not have rest in that space? You yep. know, this is the God who wants us, who desires us, and He died for us. Mm. And when we're in that space with Him, we we how can we not rest? He He casts our sin from the east to the west. He's as as low as the depths, and as high as the heavens. Like He. Is magnificent and, and he wants us and wants us to rest in him. Mm. How can
2: we not? And I think, you know, that's a word in season right now. Mm. You know, there's so much anxiety and mm. worry and, and, you know, understandably so. There's yeah. a lot of people going through difficult stuff. But for us, the people of God, we just come back to knowing who God is. And Absolutely. I think the other thing is that we, we so often strive to to earn you know, everything and to yeah. prove ourselves and to make something of our lives. And, mm. I think the gospel was really powerful in that space because we think of the finished work of Jesus at the cross, yeah. and we think of the continued work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Yeah. And we don't have to prove ourselves to God. We don't have to work to to make something of ourselves because Jesus did it for us. Mm. He took our sins. He died in our place. He's opened up relationship with God, and now we are the children of God. and And I think of my kids, and I shared an illustration recently when I watched my son play his first game of basketball, and. And he had no idea what he was doing, you know. And and I was watching him and I was so proud. Like his yeah. first touch was he grabbed the ball and he ran down the other end of the court like he was going to do a touchdown. Mm. And, you know, the, the coach is saying, bounce it. And the yeah. the, the ref's blowing the whistle. And, and I'm just going, go let Lenny, go. Yeah. You know, I didn't care that he's completely stuffed up. Yeah. I just loved him because he's my son. And Absolutely. that's the way God sees us mm. as his children. And so we can rest in, yeah. you know, what he says about us is more powerful than Anything anyone else will ever say. Absolutely, and what he's done for us is more powerful than anything we could achieve. Absolutely, on our own. So, coming back to the gospel is so mm-hmm. important. Resting in the truth of who God is, yeah, and who we are. So it's really and, and powerful. i love
1: loving that. Uh, the Scripture tells us that it gives God great pleasure to give us the kingdom. Yeah, and um, and uh, Paul in Ephesians three eight says, um, you know. I I like it. Like I'm not worthy like everybody else, but God's given me the great pleasure of telling everybody about the great treasures in Christ. Mm. And I believe rest is one of those treasures. Oh, for sure.
2: Yeah. Really, really cool one. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It's very good. So verse 11 says, let us make every effort therefore Mm. to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Mm. So why do you think we need to strive or make every effort to enter that rest? If Jesus has already finished the work on our behalf at the cross.
1: Yeah, well, we need to enter that rest because we need to actively seek him out. We need to, to seek that rest with him. You know, um, God's not a dictator. God's not going to push himself into it, Himself into our lives. And, and we can see that we, for those of us who've given our lives to Jesus and, and recognize that we need to rest in him, we don't always do it. Um, so we constantly need to be pushing into that space and saying, okay, God, tell me who I am today. Um, the worries that I've got today, can you take them from me? Um, talk to me. Show me your grace, your love, your mercy, your compassion um, in the things today. Like I don't think that the rest is something that even, you know, we talk about the Sabbath being one day a week, but we can rest every day Mm -hmm. in God. So I think it's important that we're consistently and constantly going to God, saying, God, today, just more of you today. Tell Mm -hmm. me who I am. Tell me who you are. Um, Give me that rest. Yeah, Yeah, for
2: sure. I think our world, everything's pulling us away from God Mm. and away from rest. We're in a world where busyness is a badge of honour. And so, um, you know, in terms of striving to enter that rest, we've got to keep coming back to the truths of the gospel because Mm. everything else is trying to pull us away from that. So I think that's really important, remembering that God fully intends for us to rest. I know Walter Brueggemann in his little book says that Sabbath is an act of resistance and alternative mm. in a culture of now. And so resisting our culture that says busyness is a badge of honour mm. and and it's showing an alternative way of life to the world around us, that we can be rested people. Yeah, And I think when we're rested, we're actually more productive, we enjoy our work more, we're better in our relationships with mm. one another, with family, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. So, um, I know John Tyson, I heard him say a few years ago on a podcast, he's a pastor in New York City, originally from Adelaide, but he said that Sabbath rest is practicing the sovereignty of God. Mm. And I really love that. Like if we feel we need to work, work, work and not rest or else the world will fall apart, yeah. then we're actually not trusting God was right when he created us to rest. Absolutely. And we're not trusting him to provide. We're not trusting that he's able. And we really we're disobeying his word. And mm. I thought about it last night. Like if God created the, the universe in six days mm. and then he rested on the seventh day and the world didn't fall apart when he rested, well, then it's not going to fall apart when we do. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So if we take a day off, it's not like the whole world is going to fall apart. And so we need to practice the sovereignty of God and say, hey, God's Mm. told us to rest. Mm. And so when we rest, we just trust that he's got things in control. Absolutely. And when we rest, we're not going to miss out on anything. In fact, Mm. he'll bless what we're doing in the other time when we're working because we're doing it out of a place of restedness. So God never sleeps or slumbers, Mm. so we can... We can trust him yeah. as we rest, which is a really cool thing.
1: Absolutely. And you can't pull from an empty jug. And I love what you say that last week is, you know, the sixth day created man, on the seventh he rested. So the first thing on the working week for man was rest. Like, yeah, awesome. you know, let's rest first and then and then we can go out and actually um, have an effective work out of the place of rest rather than, than going, okay, now I need to rest. Because when we rest from work, that's when we tend to rest our body. Mm-hmm. Um, but our mind just keeps going 100 miles an hour. So mm-hmm. we need to, yeah. Need to start with rest yep. and, and and work out of that.
2: Yeah, I think personalities like you and me think you know rest is just we're wasting time. We could be achieving something. <laughs> I'm thinking but, it right now. I've got a bunch yeah. of emails. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I can see you itching to get out of here. Yeah, but I think you know God shows from the very beginning that one of the primary purposes of our life is to rest in His presence, and absolutely, to enjoy that, and to enjoy one another, and mm. and that's a really beautiful thing. Relationships at the very core and the very heart of everything we do. So. Absolutely. So we'll finish up in a second, but um, just wondered, you know, in a real kind of um, relevant thing right now, yeah. um, what opportunities has COVID-19 presented mm. for you personally in the area of rest and what yeah. will be important in life once this pandemic ceases?
1: Yeah. Personally, I like, I'm loving having nights at home and, and being able to go home and spend time with my family and talk about their day and... Um, you know, even the days where I'm off, like, you know, my kids are home. So I get to, mm-hmm. I get to enjoy their company. And even though they're doing some schoolwork, it, it's, it's really nice in that sense. So, um, there's rest in that. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously with four kids at home, there's, there's, you know, there's work in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, 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 love the fact that I get to, um, be more, more at home, um, mm-hmm. which, which is good, you know, um, what does it mean for us as a, as a church going forward? I think that we need to, um, Really grasp hold of what God's telling us in this in this season, mm-hmm. um, you know, churches across the world have have done church for a, a certain way for a long long time, mm-hmm. and this is forcing people to think about how we can reach people differently. Um, we're going outside the walls and and online, which is just you know some churches have been doing that for a long time, but for mm-hmm. a, a majority of the churches that are online now. Weren't before, Mm. and I think it would be a great shame, um, probably a tragedy, if when this is all said and done, um, churches go exclusively offline again. Um, Mm. I think that there's a great um, opportunity for us to reach people who weren't being reached before, and people who wouldn't necessarily step inside the church walls. And um, you know, I don't believe God made COVID nineteen happen, but Scripture tells us that He makes all things work together for good to those Mm. who love Him and accord according to His purpose. So. I believe that God's using this um, for his glory and, and we're reaching people now who as a, as a worldwide church um, who never reached before and, mm. and wouldn't step inside a church and they're hearing the good news of Jesus and the rest that we can have in him in their lounge rooms, in their pajamas, having a cup of coffee. And, um, you know, I think that's a wonderful and beautiful thing. And I think that we need to um, keep looking at avenues to, to reach people that way.
2: Yeah. 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 I said last week, I think we've been going at a pace that's so unsustainable that maybe this mm. is actually the circuit breaker we need to Absolutely. actually reevaluate and to yeah. look at our own lives. And so I guess my big prayer coming out of this, uh, you talk sort of from a church point of view with technology and stuff, yeah. but from a personal point of view for, for myself personally and for our congregation and for people listening to this, like my great prayer is that we'll emerge at the other side of this with new rhythms of life.
1: Absolutely. My
2: great fear is that as soon as the, You know, regulations are lifted and Mm. and whatever, that people just go straight back to the crazy business and 20 activities for their kids and more and more stuff to do and longer work hours and all that. But I really hope and pray that um, we'll listen to what God is saying in this season Mm. and it will cause us to um, end up in a new normal afterwards where we still work hard and we're still faithful and all that sort of stuff. But we're much more disciplined in rest and um, spending that good time with God. So that's my prayer. Mm. Finally, in the passage, verse 7 tells us that we can enter God's rest today, mm. as you mentioned before. And for the Israelites, the barriers to rest were disobedience and a lack of faith. And I, mm. I think there's still the barriers that keep us from God's rest today. Yeah. Disobedience to stop our work yeah. and to make time um, to rest in God, but also a lack of faith to put our trust in Jesus as our Savior. And... Um, and trusting in what he did for us on our behalf at the cross. And so I just want to encourage everyone watching today, um, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that. And you can do that today. You can even do it from your lounge room. You don't need a pastor there to pray for you. You don't need some magic words. Um, You can just come to him and say, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you as my Lord and Savior. Um, I want to experience your forgiveness on the cross. I want to be part of your mission to the world to make this world a, a better place. And so if you've never done that before, you can do it today by praying right where you are, and you can pray a prayer similar to the one that's going to come up on the screen in a moment. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place and offering new life through forgiveness of sin and relationship with you. Help me to rest in the knowledge of who you are and all you've done for me. Today I accept you as my Lord and Saviour and give my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to represent you in the world around me. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer today we'd love to talk to you about how we can help you as you start your journey in relationship with christ and so today you can click on the prayer request button and one of our hosts would love to pray with you right where you are in your lounge room or wherever you are in the world this morning i just want to say thanks for joining us today um, gathering together on follow online we hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next week thanks for tuning in to follow online to stay updated go to
1: follow.church As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus
2: to love one another.